जय श्री जीव गोस्वामी मामुत्रुभाव की जाय So, this appearance day of Jeeva Goswami, today we commemorate, and historically there's very little information about Jeeva Goswami and all of the six Goswamis, at least in general, but more so in with regard to the, the nature of their contribution. Such valuable contribution they made, we should think that there have, would be so much information recorded about them, but their activities were so wonderful, and as were Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, that people were too stunned to write about it. They had to think about it afterwards. And what they thought about was the, the essence of what they were about, their ecstasy, their bhava, their wonderful qualities, more than the details of of their lives. These are the real details of our lives. We live as much as we are alive in Krishna consciousness, Krishnanushilanam. What is it said? Ibajasiboro. Who can serve? He's he's noteworthy. Who, can, who does bhajan? He, he's great. Who's humble? He's great. Who can serve? He's great. A great feeling they had for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, these six Goswamis. And thus they were able to understand what it was that the uh, phenomenon of Sri Chaitanya was about in light of all the revealed scriptures. They gathered from all the revealed scriptures out of compassion for us to tell us what was that ecstasy. Like I've said before, a great waterfall of love, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared and he could not approach. But out of that waterfall they made a lake through their writing, they institutionalized on this level the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the form of literature, that people could come forth and drink and bathe, take advantage of, of his appearance and understand something about what it was from the books and from more so applying oneself with regard to what those books, those Goswami Granthas, uh, the scriptures of the Goswamis said how they commented on all the Vedic scripture, how they found the, uh, located Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the scripture, and, uh, in many ways, in terms of his appearance, being God, Yuga Avatar, and so forth, what he was, what he represented. Extraordinary. This is absolutely stunning. We don't take. Very, we should not take lightly the statement of Rupa Goswami, No Mahabhadanaya Krishna Prima Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Vodatrishenamaha. In this verse he identified Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for who he was, what he came to give. I've told the story before, one sannyasi when I was young, uh, Brahmachari said, What do you think of when you chant this verse? It's a very famous verse. What do you think of what comes to your mind? He said, I knew he had some you know, special answer, so I didn't venture to give what would be the normal answer, well, Lord Chaitanya, he's most magnanimous, 
he came to give love of God and so forth. So I said, I don't know, Maharaj, you tell me. He said, Rupa Goswami, the author of the Bible, our mind should go to him. Without him, what do we know about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? And Rupa Goswami, of course, is the is the internal leader of the Goswamis. It's not the Goswamis, the external leader of the Goswamis. Jiva Goswami, their nephew and follower, initiated disciple of Rupa Goswami, who first is said approached Sanatana Goswami, the elder, for initiation, who then, Sanatana, that is, passed the, uh, him back down to, to Rupa Goswami. What I mean by this is in Gaurlila, Sanatana Prabhu is the senior. He's the elder of Rupa Goswami, two are brothers, and Rupa Goswami has shown respect to him in his writing. In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he offers his pranam to Sanatana Goswami in other books as well. As elder brother, like the guru figure in the life of Rupa Goswami, but internally, in terms of their love life in, 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 in Krishna Leela, Rupa Goswami takes a higher position. So if we see them in Gaurlila, we first offer our respect to Sanatana Goswami, then to Rupa Goswami. And in Krishna Leela, we first offer our respect to Rupa Goswami, then to Sanatana Goswami. And as I say, Jiva Goswami first approached Sanatana, but Sanatana passed to the honor of giving initiation to Jiva Goswami, to Rupa Goswami. And he was the lone initiated disciple of Srila Rupa Goswami. And in him, Rupa, Sanatan and all the other um, of the six Goswamis found a very capable, capable disciple. This is a great wealth. <laughs> we are all so concerned about finding the, uh, a good guru, but often because we think we're so good and we deserve the best. <laughs> the gurus have problems finding good disciples. Works both ways. So they found a very, very capable assistant. It's apparent, if we look closely at the literary contribution of the Goswamis, that Rupa Goswami assisted Jiva Goswami, assisted Rupa Goswami, assisted Sanatana Goswami, Gopal Bhatta Goswami. In fact, his major philosophical contribution, Satsandarbha, in every, the beginning of every one of the six Sandarbhas, his essays, he offers his respects to one Bhatta from the South who brought together so many nice verses and I'm just, re, one, me, one Jiva is just arranging them. That Bhatta was Gopal Bhatta Goswami. So in, in so many ways he was the younger of all of them. They all passed on to the Nitilila and he remained in Vrindavan as the Shikshu Guru of all the Gaudi and Oriya Vaishnavas. So a very capable assistant, uh, the Goswami's Rupsanathan, found in their nephew, Shijiva. Very young, a age, well, he was very young. Dates, of course, are like other details in the history of these great persons, oftentimes difficult to sort out. And so some dates are given, conjectured, but it's not clear. These are not the most important things by any stretch of the imagination. As I say, the details of their life were, uh, were over, over, overshadowed by the, the substance of their life that just left people in awe of them. I mean, it's said 
that news would come from the Braj about how Rupa, Sanatana, and Jiva Goswami were living their lives, as mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, how they would come and people would ask, what is the news of Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami? How are they carrying out and keeping themselves, living beneath a different tree every night, wearing only the kopin, forgetting to eat, these stories would come and people's heart would melt to hear about them. And as exalted as they were spiritually, at the same time they were as affectionate to the common people. Like a, like a, like a, like a grandfather, like a father. It is said when Sanatana Goswami would go in the bridge in the villages, when he would come into the village, people would see him and they would run to him and flock, flock to him. And children would run and grab his hand and people out of affection would forget to pay obeisance to him. Like a father figure coming. And they would, and, and, and people would bring their disputes before Rupa Sanatana, Jiva Goswami, about common things even. They would give their advice. And people would, whatever they said, oh, they would accept. So their compassion reached from the lowest level to the highest level. So the dates, as I say, these are details. A little, some people say 15, 13 is the accepted date, but it's, it's all not, there's some problem with that date the, as, as to the birth of Jiva Goswami because of the time which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we know he was born and then he came to, uh, uh, from Puri to Ramkeli, met Rupa Sanatan. Jiva Goswami was there at that time, so that was about five thirty, about that about that time. But at any rate, when he did come, Mahaprabhu, Jiva Goswami was there, and he saw how his his father Anupam, who later Mahaprabhu named Balaba, and we don't even know details because we don't even know the names of Rupa Goswami, of Sanatana Goswami. They're so-called secular names. They have no secular name. They have no secular life, no worldly life whatsoever. We don't know the names. We know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu named one Rupa, one Sanatana. There are titles that they are said to have gone by with regard to their uh, employment in the government service, but those are just, those are titles like governor, like senator, Dabir Kaz, Sakar Malik, chief minister, and it means something like that. Mahaprabhu gave them the names. We know them by Rupa Sanatana. We expect the Rupa Goswami gave the name to Jiva, their family name Goswami. <laughs> they were the real family Goswamis. So when Mahaprabhu came there, Jiva Goswami was there, and he took note of how his father, Anupam, or what they said later became Balaba, and his uncles, Rupa and Sanatana, were taken by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this mendicant, and how. Uh, under his influence, they walked away from a very comfortable life. They were very, very well off, and very well established in the government. In fact, when the Nawab Hussein Shah would go out hunting or conquering other lands, practically the entire government would come under the care of Sanatana Goswami. So they were very, very highly situated, very well educated. They spoke seven, eight, nine languages, each of them. Very cultured people. 
very expert in very in all their practical dealings and uh, and so forth and they walked away from this to be like beggars following the madman Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who had created a religion that even the Hindus thought was weird or to speak of the Muslims <laughs> they were taken by his uh, ecstasy and they, they followed him and there was Jiva left home <laughs> having witnessed this and as I say, he took note. He was a very astute young man. He took note of that. And shortly thereafter, he said he appeared before his mother with a shaved head and a what he, what he maybe came with a, with a saffron-colored robe or something like that. And, and he was just a young lad. Well, the mother said, "Oh, you know, if you want to be like that, you know, you have to shave a head and leave home." Little did she know that, that he took it. You know, he would take it to heart. So then he, then he had his head shaved. The next thing you know, he was out the door. Actually, he made an excuse that he wanted the village vis- visit the home of his uh, ancestral ancestors, Fayetabad, and there he went. And, f- and instead, he took the ferry, the boat to to, to Nabadweep, the homeland of Chetanmadhu. Uh, at an early age, maybe at about uh, 20 years old, he left home, walked out to follow his uncles and his father. And he went to Vietnam, and who, whose company did he get? Nityananda Prabhu was in Nadia. And he picked up the young Jeeva and took him all around, took him to the house of Sachi, met Sachi Devi and Vishnu Priya Devi. Shiva's Thakur, all these great devotees. He learned from Nityananda Prabhu all about the, the Dham of Navadvipa. And Nityananda Prabhu told him that you should go and join your your uncle's Rupa Sanatham there in Vrindavan. Your father has died, Balaba. Balaba was with Rupa. Together they left. Sanatham Prabhu, as you know, was kept in prison. Rupa Goswami went to Vrindavan and on his, his way to Vrindavan with Balaba, by the time he reached Prayag, Mahaprabhu's visit to Vrindavan was finished. And this is the reason it was finished. He couldn't wait for Rupa to get to Vrindavan. He had to go and see him. Rupa Goswami drew him out of Vrindavan, if you will. But Prayag they met and from there, Mahaprabhu returned to Puri. And by the time Rupa Goswami had come to Puri, then the, the father of Rupa Goswami had passed on, Balava. They had made a pact, the three of them, these three brothers, Rupa, Sanatana, and Balava, lived together and worshipped Radha Govinda. But he was a, a uh, Rambhakta. So although theoretically he could appreciate the position of Radha Govinda's seva, his heart was given to Sita Ram, Ram Lakshman, Hanuman. So he could not give that up. When Mahaprabhu heard that, and that it was out of in ecstasy of separation from them that he passed from the world, what did he say? Glorious is that devotee who will not give up his Lord. And glorious is that Lord who will not give up his devotee. He appreciated the feeling, real feeling, for Ram. So anyway, his father had passed away, and then Sanatana, of course, it was 
freed and he went to Vrindavan. And, and by the time Jiva Goswami finished in Navadvip and headed to Vrindavan, both Rupa and Sanatana were there. And along the way he stopped at the advice of Nityananda Prabhu in Banaras. Banaras is a great seat of learning. And there he studied under Madhusudan Vachaspati, who was uh, perhaps the teacher, guru of Sarabhum Bhattacharya, who hailed also from Nadia himself for going to Puri and settling there. And so Jiva Goswami spent some time in Banaris learning. This is an interesting and important point, because as you know, he was a great writer. He wrote about 400,000 verses, which is uh, a phenomenal amount of uh, writing, perhaps known more than I mean, legendary Vyas, wrote more verses than, than Jiva Goswami. In Bhakti Ratnakar, some twenty odd books are attributed to him, and after mentioning the books, it says, etc., etc. So, this writing of Jiva Goswami, while it was spiritual, it was also academically, um, how you say, acceptable by academic standards. In other words, Sometimes devotees have this kind of idea that uh, the Goswami just kind of closed their eyes and the pen moved. And, and sometimes we talk about it like that. Certainly they were moved by their bhava and so forth, but they were all very educated as well. They learned Sanskrit, grammar, and alankar, and all the systems of philosophy at the, of the time, the Sadarshan of India, and you know, this, this, this is Sankhya and, and yoga and... Uh, Vaisheshika, Nyaya, Karma Mimamsa, Uttar Mimamsa, all this Sadarshan, they learned in great detail. Especially Jiva Goswami. Very, very learned. He got his, his philosophical uh, education in Banaras. And then he went to Vrindavan. He was, of course, devotee first and scholar second. Somebody wrote to me today, uh, a few days back, or quite some time back, actually it was in July, but I'm just answering those questions from July now on the Sangha. And he asked, um, that, uh, shouldn't we tell people not to go to school? And uh, Prabhupada was against uh, education and, and so forth. And, and uh, this is just cheating the people and, oh, he shouldn't go to school. I said, no, no, Prabhupada was not against education, per se, but he was, his, his, he, in fact, he sent some of his students to get an education for the sake of preaching and so forth. But his policy was first become devotee, then become scholar, if you have that aptitude or that, that tendency. First become devotee, then become scholar. A fellow I knew uh, was a disciple of Prabhupada, Told Prabhupada he wanted to become a scholar, and Prabhupada said to him, first become devotee, then become scholar. And he said that, well, but my thought was, why not both at the same time? And I can give you uh, a good reason. He's now a scholar and not a devotee. <laughs> uh, so, to become a devotee, that is the most important thing. If we can augment that in some way, 
by being a scholar for the sake of preaching and if we have education and so forth, then we can use that in Krishna service. But otherwise, it is most important first to become a devotee. But Jiva Goswami was an educated devotee, so very suitable for for preaching. And he went to Vrindavan with all of his education and learning and quite a scholar he was. Sometimes Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaka was called by his disciples as the modern day Jiva Goswami because he was very, very learned. But in a similar way that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaka went before Gorka Shordas Babaji and found all of his learning to be of uh, little interest, of no interest, and his good character and everything, of no interest to Gorka Shore, and that moved him to think, oh, he must have something much more valuable than all these things that I'm proud of and that people are after me for. And therefore, he took shelter of Gorka Shore and Babaji Maharaj, who was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. And this great scholar, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaka, became his disciple. So Jeeva Goswami, of course, Rupa Goswami, Siddhanta Goswami, they were also very learned, but he got his secular education, came before them, and became a student at their feet. Not because they were learned and educated, but because of the extent of their bhakti for Mahaprabhu and Radha Govinda. So there he lived in Vrindavan, under their care, and uh, he, uh, at that time, primarily assisted Rupa Goswami in writing, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. He assisted him in every way in writing it, and after it was written, he wrote a commentary on it as well, further explaining that. And at that time in Vrindavan, the Goswamis were living, as I say, as mendicants, very, very, in a very extreme way. They were living a life of renunciation. One of the reasons for this is because the they were they were very much involved in establishing the sampradaya of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the credibility of that through writing and through example. And one of the things that they had to contend with was the, was the renunciation of the Advaitans. They were, uh, because that's their, their marg. Gyan corresponds with Bairagya. If you have knowledge, you are going to stop chasing after things that are temporary. You understand? If you have knowledge, even in a even in a secular sense, if you have knowledge, you're not going to work as hard. If you have an education, so you can make more and work less. So the more you have knowledge, then uh, they say sometimes I've seen in the school there must be a Greek saying or something or knowledge will set you free or something like that. Have you seen it? Something like that. So it's it's liberating, even in a secular sense. When we become active on the mental and intellectual plane, then there's some relief on the physical level, some relaxation there. So, I would speak of in a spiritual sense. These, these Brahmaganis, they were very, very learned, sattvic, and uh, they had knowledge, mystic knowledge even of the self, so they were, they were the standard of renunciation, the Shankar Acharyas. The standard of, of, of renunciation that they said was very uh, high. Here, these Goswamis now they were writing about uh, love life of Radha and Govinda. Mahaprabhu, after all, was a singer and a dancer. When he came to Pranaras on his way to Vrindavan the first time, the, the sannyasis led by Prakashananda Saraswati could not understand him. So Prakashananda, who was a big 
renunciate Gani. He thought this guy's a sannyasi, but he took sannyas from the Bharati Sampradaya, a little lower, and look at he's, he's got taken away by singing and dancing and the company of other mad people. This is not good for the sannyas order. We should educate him, rectify him. This was his, his kind of thinking. So here they were writing about Radha Govinda and, 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 and teaching a form of Vedanta, which I've called aesthetic Vedanta, which, mean, which means that ordinary uh, sense of Vedanta is very aesthetically uh, pale. <laughs> everything is to be given up. Give up the beads, give up everything. Even, even the Japa beads would be given up. They would give up Japa beads. They would give up the, uh, the kirtan. So, therefore, what what Rupa Goswami wrote? Nibanda Krishna sambande yukta And this is how this verse is originally used. You should understand this point. One shouldn't give up Japa beads. Taking the Lord's remnants, prasad taking the flower garland from the deity. These type of things should not be given up in the name of renunciation. <laughs> we use it in such a, sometimes I've seen in such a loose way. Oh, for Krishna's service, we can use everything. Well, of course, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur tried and was successful in bringing out a dynamic understanding of that to conquer the whole world for Krishna, the printing press and... If we, why you, that's why you find Prabhupada writing things sometimes in his books about how writing books is, 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 is not Maya and you know getting on the bus to go and pay the printer or take the bus to Delhi and and so forth and being concerned with all these otherwise worldly things. So he was Bhaktisiddhanta was successful in in bringing out a very dynamic understanding of that yukta vairagyam. Don't give up things that can be used in Krishna's service. But we should also emphasize, don't be bewildered by things in the name of using them in Krishna's service. You really want some gizmo or gadget more than you want to serve Krishna. And then you collect it for in the name of serving Krishna. No, no. We should be charmed by the idea of serving Krishna. I have no interest in such things, but if they have utilization and they come in, we Prabhupada was fond, I remember, and he would come to Los Angeles and tour the BBT and see the latest machinery, latest, uh, what were they in those days? Those, uh, typesetting machines and so forth. And they would say, Prabhupada, this is the latest from, you know, Hewlett Packard or whatever. Prabhupada always want the best. And you know, this would be, this is, a, of course, the dynamic, I say, idea of this, but. The person who wrote that verse, Rupa Goswami, he was living under a different tree every night. So if you can live under a different tree every night, to the extent that you can actually be detached, you can utilize things in Krishna's service. And how, how, how in such a minimal way this verse was originally written to, to uh, apply in counteracting the idea that my body, all this should be given up. This is all the, within the gunas. No. Don't think like that about Mahaprasad, Japamala, and so on and so forth, devotional paraphernalia. This should be used in Krishna's service. So this dynamic was there. These, these uh, smartas in the religious world 
had like a monopoly largely over the people. And in the spiritual side of the religious world, we have a religious orientation and a spiritual orientation. The 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 the, the, the uh, Advaitins had the the grip on people. The idea that you had to be born as a Brahmin, take sannyas as an Advaitin in order to get mukti. This was pretty common at that time. Of course, due to the good, due to the intensity of Krishna's own bhakti that caused Mahaprabhu to appear, many bhakti movements were appearing. You had the, the, the Nirgun Nam bhaktas and Sagun Nam bhaktas, like Kabir, uh, this uh, Nyanak, Guru Nanak, and so forth. They were like uh, Sagun Nam bhaktas. It means that they had some bhakti, but they thought that Nam was to be utilized for mukti. But still, as, as bad as that may sound to us, there was a breaking away largely from the standards of Shankar, who, who in any ways ostensibly belittled the devotional practices if you have to. You know, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you're not discerning enough and introspective enough, intelligent enough, they just realize this is all mine. Then okay, you can you can you know, dovetail some emotional sense of of self through these bhakti practices and get get jnana and so on. So there was a re, like a bhakti revolt towards this and giving it to the people. Mukti is available to the people through bhakti, kind of a thing. And then you had your Tukram and uh, these types, Narsimeta, and so on. And then, of course, I mean, the, the centerfold Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's tradition. And uh, and, uh, and and these, the ones I mentioned, we were all kind of offshoots. I mean, Guru Nanak was uh, starting the Sikh mission, which we did become a mission of, of sorts, but it was... Uh, Mahaprabhu was bringing, the Goswami bringing an actual system of Vedanta and saying from this Vedanta, this is the real spirit of the Vedanta, of the message of the Upanishads, of the scriptures. This is its very heart and so forth. They wanted to establish a sampradaya. They weren't just individual mystics here and there. And so they led a life of a, a very uh, extreme. Oh, oh, uh, overtly extreme renunciation that demonstrated that they could be as renounced as the Shankara charges. For a different tree every night we hear these things, wearing only the loincloth and, and so forth. When talking about the measure, the, the degree of their renunciation, uh, Sridhar Marsh once said to us, they took stones, jewels, stones, and drilled a hole in them, through them, and left us the task of only threading the thread through other their kindness. They bored the hole, they, 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 they laid the groundwork. And part of this was this extreme degree of renunciation. We don't find Prabhupada was wearing only a copan and living in the, in the forest and, and so forth and so on. The focus is not vairagya in our tradition, but bhakti. In fact, bhakti means a little bit of both, a little balance between vairagya and and, and enjoyment. 
not in a bad sense, but too much uh, vairagi, then you cannot appreciate the aesthetics of of Krishna Bhakti. Too much abogi and enjoyer, oh, then you cannot have the renunciation that's necessary to be a, a true bhakta. So some balance between karma and jnana. Bhakti actually gives meaning to both. Karma and jnana, like like two, two, two streams coming from the Himalaya. If they hit, if those streams touch the Ganga, they can make it to the Bay, Bay of Bengal. If Gyan and Karma is harmonized by Bhakti, then work, which means Karma, has value and, and the culture of knowledge and the renunciation that is, that comes naturally of that has value. So they were extreme renunciates and for a purpose, one side to show we 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 bhaktas can be as as renounced as the 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 ganis, and second side to show that this love life of Radha and Govinda that has nothing to do with worldliness. Diya Goswami was a young girl, is a young girl in Krishna Lila, but in in uh, in decorating himself in every herself in every way for the the satisfaction of of Krishna. Very careful to look in in the mirror, in the pond, and and so forth. Uh, would appear very vain, and self-centered, and but appearing in Gorlila as extreme uh, renunciate, and from very from from his very youth. So, uh, following in this way the line of his uh, his elders, Jiva Goswami became one of the band of the famous uh, six Goswamis, and he was the youngest of them. So he survived all of them as they passed on the Krishna Leela. And as I said, he became at that time the Siksha Guru, all of all of all the Gaudiyas and all the Oriyan Vaishnavas, all Vaishnavas connected to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There were many, many gurus, many, many qualified gurus, like Narutam Thakur, uh, Shamananda, uh, Srinivas, so many. They're all under the shelter of Jiva Goswami. In his writing, he, he um, was very much uh, focused on giving the Siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnavism to the extent that there is a prominent emphasis on what we call Swakya Bhav in his writing. In Gopal Champu, in Satsandarbha, in Krishna Sandarbha, we find this in um, commentary on Brahma Samhita and so forth. He, and to the point that, that there is a controversy in which it was thought that he was not really a true follower of Rupa Goswami, but people who studied the writings later on, because Rupa Goswami obviously advocated the parakya bhav, paramore love, over wedded love of Radha and Krishna. But Jiva Goswami gives some emphasis to, uh, apparently, to Parakya Bhav in his commentary on Ujjwal Nimamani, which is Rupa Goswami's book, and so forth. So some people have tried to separate the two and say they didn't really agree on this. But the devotional conclusion, of course, is that Jiva Goswami was there emphasizing the Siddhanta, the Tattva, over the Bhava. And that means what? That Radha and Krishna, Radha belongs only to Krishna. She's not really married to anyone else. Even Abhimanyu, the wife of Radha, is an expansion of Krishna. Hmm? 
in Golok. Or in, 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 yeah, so, so, and, and so with all the gopis, for that matter. It's said, in fact, during the Brahma Vimohan Lila, when all the cowherd boys were stolen by Brahma, this was just at the time when the gopis were to be wedded also. So Krishna expanded himself as all those cowherds, and that's why they were all married to Krishna. So, the fact is, that uh, just like Parikshit Maharaj asked after, after the Rasalila narration by Sukadeva Goswami, how can uh, Krishna, the prince of Dharma, be uh, going with other people's wives? And one of the answers Sukadeva Goswami said, you should know that he is the husband of their husbands. Everyone is Prakriti, he is the Purusha. So, uh, there's no question of anything illicit here. Then this can, this is a little difficult sometimes for us to grasp because of the moral uh, decadence of our society. I saw an article in the news the other day uh, about how um, adulterous relationships were becoming acceptable in the Western society to to um, have a uh, oh extramarital they call it extramarital relationships were becoming the norm or they were becoming acceptable it was a it was a discussion about it I didn't read it but I saw the headline so this of course uh, 500 years ago in, in India it was I mean, even even in this country only you know, a few years back, I mean, in my lifetime, when I was a kid, I'm sure the divorce divorce was like, you know, that was just like, oh my God, they got divorced. That was like, really, I can remember as a kid, if somebody down the street, the family got divorced, it was like, whoa, that's bad. Gee. <laughs> what to speak of 500 years ago in India. So the idea that uh, that, that there would uh, that God would have extra uh, marital relationships, however you wanted to talk about it, was very um, hard to digest. Um, and here he is just to set an example, and uh, so very very hard to digest. And so he wrote about it in this way. He wrote about the, he emphasized the swakya nature of their love. In other words, their the swakya means belonging. So how much Radha and Krishna belonged to one another. In fact, it's, it's because of the, the, the extent to which they belong to one another that, that this parakya has, uh, can, can take place. Because they belong to one another, then uh, the appearance of parakya, it's real because it gives pleasure to Krishna. In that sense, it's real. Otherwise, it's an illusion. So the Siddhanta, the Tattva is, they're, they're, they're wedded, Radha has no other husband. But the Bhava is that they're not. So he sometimes called the Tattva Acharya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This way he emphasized the Tattva. His book, Satsandarbha, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka was told by Gorkasharas Babaji, if you could popularize this uh, Satsandarbha, you'd do a real service to human society. So it's not a book about bhava. Many of the Goswami's granthas, of course, are their Leela granthas and, and so forth. But Jiva Goswami really lent to sub, uh, sobriety to the society through his, through his writing. And sometimes, again, 
for reasons like this, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur was called the modern-day Jiva Goswami because he was very much concerned about putting putting the, if you will, the the the, the body of Vedanta and Upanishads on the head of Krishna Leela. Show how it's all connected and that there's a system to all this. You know, go right to the top from day one. So, in this way, we owe a tribute to Sri Jiva Goswami through his example, through his writings. Sri Jiva Goswami Tirubhav Mahamutsuti Tirubhav. Any question? Yeah. I was wondering if you could give it an overview of the, of the satsandarvas. Well, briefly. Brief. I, I'm just reading your Tattva Sandarva again, and so I've become curious, well, what are, what are they all about? And the six Sandarvas, four Sandarvas are about Sambandagyan. One is about Abhideya, and uh, one about Prayojana. So the first four are the Sambandagyan. Sambandagyan means the conceptual orientation, knowledge of relationship, what's what. So we have uh, Tattva Sandarbha, and Tattva Sandarbha is kind of an introduction to all six of the Sandarbhas. So we have a little little taste of each in there, but it's it's largely about it's it's all largely about Samanagyan. You know, in Tattva Sandarbha, first he gives the Pramanakanda, so he establishes there what is his evidence. From what evidence he will substantiate that which he is, is going to speak about. And of course, he, he comes through a lengthy discussion to Sumat Bhagavatam and why it's the Amala Pramana, the perfect spotless evidence amongst bodies uh, of, uh, of revelation. The principle there establishes that comprehensive knowing will come from revelation. Perfect knowledge is perfect. So if you want it in your imperfect state, it's superior to you. You have to venerate that, worship that, and it will reveal itself. And, and, and he felt that the comprehensive body of revelation uh, was Srimad Bhagavatam. So, and then he begins to explain how he is going to, he, he goes about understanding what Srimad Bhagavatam is about. That's Tattva Sandarbha. Then he gives the, um, the Bhagavat Sandarbha. And in the Bhagavat Sandarbha, he explains. Bhagwan, the conception of Bhagwan, the Supreme Godhead. He just gives a little bit, the first seven sections about Brahman. There's no Brahman Brahma, Brahman uh, Sandarbha. Uh, he's not very concerned with that. Bhagavat Sandarbha about Bhagwan. The concept of God as a person. And then Paramatma Sandarbha. All about the, 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 the Paramatma aspect of the Lord. And then Krishna Sandarbha. That's all based on Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. The whole book comes out of that. Out of one verse, one line of one verse of the Bhagavatam. This whole Sandarbha comes out. So in Krishna Sandarbha, he establishes that point that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He shows through Bhagavatam every verse that confirms that and every verse that appears to say otherwise shows what it really means in a very in a very elaborate way he establishes Krishna position it's the most sublime that Krishna Sandarbha was later rewritten in poetry the conclusions of Krishna Sandarbha were written in poetry in his in his final book which is the cream of his writing 
called Gopal Champu, a poetic rendering of all of the Leela of, of Krishna it, it, from the vantage point of Goloka. In Goloka, it's writing about the Leela on earth. That's a fascinating book. But that all comes out of Krishna Sandharva. So then, so then he completes the Sambandagyan, and then he writes Bhakti Sandharva, which is Abhideya, the means. So, so many different, hundred some different kinds of bhakti are mentioned. Shades of bhakti, this kind of bhakti, that kind. What is Shuddha bhakti? And he establishes with his pure devotion the means. And then he does writes the Priti Sandharva, which is Prayojan, love, the ideal. What is the goal? This is an overview of Satsandharva. Anything else? What are you trying to bring out? <laughs> That'll be a major. It was. It's very important, actually. I, I, I was. It's, it's. I'd have to close the door for a long time, though. That's that's a lot of work. It's a. Somebody. It'll come out. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? Come out with all those sandharvas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need more people, more help. Another question from within the top of Sandharva, you're Bhavana There's a discussion of um, briefly touched on Ramaharshan Sutta being given charge of Puranas mm-hmm. because he's a mixed caste. Mm-hmm. And so he's put in charge of that section. He's the same person that was struck down by Lord Balaram with the Kusha straw, or is this a different person? No, Ramaharshan Sutta is the Sutta of Ramaharshana. Sutta Gosami. Okay. Ramaharshan was struck down and his son was put in his place by Balaram. So he was the... who had sat in the audience during the speaking of Bhagavatam by Sukadev, Sutta Gosami. Ramaharshan's Jiva Goswami's position in Krishna Leela also known? Yeah. So what what was that? He's known as Bilas Manjari. Vilas Manjari, Astamanjari of Radha, six Goswamis, <coughs> Krishnanath Kaviraj Goswami and Lokanath Goswami, eight Manjari attendants of Sri Radha that are principal. So we should try to think today, Jiva Goswami was so learned, he gave so much knowledge. We may not be very intellectually inclined, but don't be intellectually lazy. Oh, I don't know the Siddhanta. You should know Tattva as much as you can, and as much as you can't, hold on to somebody who does. Otherwise, you'll become a problem. Because religious sentiment, if it is not grounded in Tattva and philosophy, then it will just become fanaticism, and we, that's the biggest problem we face today in the Gaudiya community. So all of you who are connected with me, I tell you, use your intelligence as much as you have. Don't be lazy. Not everybody can be big tattvavit, but but as much as you have an intellectual capacity, you use it to study these books. And if you don't, then hang on to somebody that does. Don't be proud. Now you have so many people who don't know anything. Take a verse here, a verse there, and I think it's Siddhanta by quoting a verse. And, Make a new religion out of it. This is the problem. 
जाए श्रीदेव गोस्वामी तत्वचार्य गोली वैष्णव संप्रदाय की जाए श्रीदेव गोस्वामी श्रीबाबाम सृष्टि की जाए बहुत प्रेमानंद शुक्रारी स्वामी शिव गुरु महाराज की